As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Today, my featured guest is January Donovan. She is a self-worth strategist, best-selling author, and founder of The The Woman School. Uh, She has over 20 years of experience training women. January founded the Woman's School to fight the injustice against women's self-worth. The company went from zero to 30 countries in under two years and grew 1,000%. I, I think she's onto something here, BC Nation. She believes it is time for our world to recognize the value of the whole woman and not just what the culture dictates makes her valuable. She is more than her body or her achievements. She was designed by God to be whole. As a wife and mother of eight children herself, January is fierce about integrating business and motherhood because she believes that your professional dreams cannot be apart from your personal dreams if you want to be fulfilled. You just need the right skills and strategies. This is exactly what we're going to be discussing today. So January Donovan, welcome to Brokey Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and take a minute and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful. I think that this, you know, I started this simply as a dream um, 20 plus years ago. I um, I would say 25 plus years ago, I surrendered my life to our Lord. And he's sort of led me to the work of training women simply because I was the untrained woman and who never, you know, who suffered a lot, who made poor choices simply because I never knew how. And was blessed to have a mentor who trained me my freshman year in college and said, January, let's design you, my spiritual director. Um, Let's design you. That's very interesting language. How did you feel when they said, let's design you? You're like, what's wrong with me? I know I laughed actually. And I was really broken because I, my story, uh, Joseph, just to be raw with your audience is that at 16, because I never knew anything about the dignity of being a woman is that I had one boyfriend didn't know how to say no to him. And um, because I had no skills, I ended up dating, dating him and got pregnant at 16 years old. I went to my guidance counselor and said, well, you have an abortion, you're president of school, you're going to business school and blah, blah, blah. And so I did. I didn't know anything about, you know, I was a sin. I just knew it was wrong deep inside. I had no faith formation. And I think January died that day. And three months later, the same guy, 
that I was trying to break up, I get pregnant again, had my second abortion. And that really became, um, I would say, oh, happy fall. That fall became the fuel in which I, I was so hungry for more. And I didn't know what more was. It was our Lord. And so I was praying for a place uh, to go to college, um, met uh, a priest and fell in love with the Eucharist, sort of that journey of brokenness. And then my freshman year in Steubenville, I met you know, a spiritual director. I said, let's design you. And I remember laughing. I was so broken. I was laughing because it was just the idea that you could was foreign. But I was also hungry because I was in so much pain and said, and so for the next three and a half years, I met her every single month and she would give me my homework. And I, when she said 10, I do hundred. My first homework was to get up at four 30 in the morning to get up and pray every day before I had to make my bed. <laughs> and then I had to get rid of comparison and competition. So my three and a half years with her was training me to actually get to know who I am. So I could actually have the capacity to know our Lord because I was so broken. So that became the fuel in which the dream for the woman's school began simply because I was that woman who needed it most. So my passion comes from my own wound. And we always say, you know, our, 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 um, you know, our, our wounds become our contribution. And that was for me. And that was the beginning of my love story with our Lord really is I was so broken that I had no place but to go with him. And I think that's where he, um, revealed himself to me very intimately. Um, so that was the beginning of that dream of the woman's school. And it sounds so glamorous now, but really it started out from a very broken woman. <laughs> yeah. Humble beginnings. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned uh, comparison and what was the other thing? Competition. Competition. Tell us about that because I think whether you're a man or a woman mm -hmm. nowadays, um, many of us are stuck in one of those two prisons. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love that you said it's a prison because I really believe it's a mental prison. So going back, what my um, spiritual director and mentor said was January, let's write down all the lists of all the women that you feel threatened. I wrote it down and she said, I want you to study them and I want you to pick something to emulate, something you love about them. And I remember I had to say a prayer every time I saw them and I had to emulate them. And so what she did was she actually neurologically wired, rewired my brain without me knowing it. It was a neurological process because for the past six months, I literally had to study these women that I felt I was threatened and I compared myself with because I didn't understand my value. So looking now from this lens and seeing that, A, we can absolutely get rid of comparison competition, just like you can learn how to walk again, just learn how to talk again. It's a neurological thing that we've uh, perhaps inherited simply because we never knew that it's possible for us to actually, you know, compliment or admire the people. So habitually we go to comparison competition. So number one, we can completely get rid of it. And that's the prison, right? It's just a neurological process. I teach women, but the deeper question is where does it come from? And in my opinion, when women are not dreaming and they're not actually becoming who they were created to be, they start getting busy looking at what everyone else is doing. And women are not dreaming. Men and women are not dreaming, not because they don't want to, but because I don't know how to. We're not trained to. Or dreaming is a skill set. So, you know, I, I think the world is under-trained. We're not trained how to manage our mind, to understand the difference between dreams and goals, how to, you know, design who we need to become. So what happens is that when we are not pursuing something 
that allows them to become greater than our current self, it's easy for us to compare ourselves with other people. A, a man and a woman who's slaving away to pursue what God is asking of them has no time comparing and competing. There isn't. Because you oh, know, you, but you know the pain of what it's like to be so humbled because you're pursuing something so big. So that's why I say it's that there's a difference between dreaming and goal setting because when you're goal setting, there's no inspiration. When you're dreaming, you're on a cross. When, you know, the dream of the woman's school became the cross that led me to pursue what God is asking me. But I mean, the daily discipline is required that's required to fulfill a dream is sanctifying. But we don't teach it. So it's easy for us to compare ourselves when we're looking at other people who feel, feel like they're achieving their dreams simply because we don't even know what our dreams are. Number two, we don't know a life of discipline and nobody's training us. So we're sort of living this life of quiet desperation, as Thoreau said, but we have no way out. And I don't believe it's women or men's fault. I, don't, I just don't believe the training right. is available out there. All right. So you just touch on a lot of hot, hot. <laughs> buzzwords okay so bc nation you're listening right now to january donovan and she runs the woman's school and she's talking about some things that may hit home for you she's talking about the prison of comparison comparing yourself to others mm -hmm. the prison of competition where you feel threatened by others and their successes and achievements she's talking about dreaming versus goals how they're different and she's talking about the skill sets that we need to be whole and complete, but they're not being taught. They're not available out there. So good news. It's not your fault that your life's a wreck. Isn't that great? Good news. It's great. Right? Actually, it's very hopeful. <laughs> it's very hopeful. It's very hopeful. I remember when my life was a wreck, for sure. Um, and I was stuck in these prisons. Uh, I definitely wasn't dreaming. I had a lot of business goals. And I had very low energy, which makes sense, right? Very low energy. And I remember uh, a, a Christian coach, uh, his name is Christian Santiago. Uh, he looked me in the eye and said, Joseph, you don't have low energy. You're just bored. You're just bored because you don't have a dream big enough. You don't have a mission from God big enough. That's your problem. Yeah. And man, that punched me in the throat because it, it was true. Yeah. Um, and getting that mission from God, that calling from God, that's so big, that God sized assignment that just humbles you and makes you feel finite and small. <laughs> it shifts everything. Like you said, because you're not focused on comparison competition, who has time for it? <laughs> you're up to the kingdom work, you know? So, all right, let's, I, I'd like to unpack some of these. Okay. Um, first off, what's the difference between dreaming mm -hmm. versus goal setting? Are we talking about dreaming like Joseph in the, in the Bible and, and having those vivid, colorful dreams? Are we talking about something else? Because not all of us feel like we're wired like him. Yeah. No. What so, are... yeah, it's a great question. So the distinction between dreams and goals, the biggest distinction is that goals is something that we know how to achieve. It's measurable. It's practical. It's something that doesn't actually require inspiration. It's like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, if, I, if you're making, you know, uh, if you want to get a Honda Accord, right, and you know you already have a Honda Accord, it's sort of a side move. It might, Or maybe you want to get something a little bit higher, maybe $20,000 more. It's not going to, you know, really kind of break you, right? You know how to achieve it. You just need discipline, right? The difference for a dream is that it's something that, number one, you don't know how to achieve. 
Right. Because it's, I mean, yeah. people who created things, I mean, think about the cell phones, the radio, the airplane, they sought out with a dream. I had no idea how to achieve the woman's school. All I had was a dream and our Lord. That is it. I was a mom with four kids under four, but I was fiercely dreaming. And I really am in love with our Lord. That's the truth. So, so there's some- many people out there that are very much in love with our Lord, but they don't know how to dream. Would you Great. be willing to teach us right yep. now? So that's number one. So that's the number one element is that you know how to achieve. Number two, it scares you and excites you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Why? Because when I actually train women and I say, tell me what the dream is, and I can already tell when they're actually tapping into something, it makes them vulnerable. They can't say it. They get flushed because if they could, they would want it, but they don't believe they could ever have it. That's what the dream is. It's not when you're sleeping. It's something that's deeply rooted from our call. It actually comes from the deepest desires of our heart, but our desires need to be matured. I want rice every day. I personally really love rice. It doesn't love me back. I, my family comes from pre-diabetic, but what it is, is that it, it is deeply rooted from the desires of our heart. It's actually a North star. So it's exciting and scary at the same time. We don't achieve it and it requires faith because you actually don't know the how. This is the thing. The dream fuels the discipline. Exactly what your mentor said. That's the reason why you can't get out of bed. I get out of bed at 4.30 or 5.30 in the morning with as a mom of eight while I'm pregnant because the dream is clear. But I've been learning how to dream for years. You know, this is why I teach women. This is why I'm saying this is a skill set. Everybody can learn it, right? Because I know what I'm getting up for. It fuels my discipline. I've got a lot of energy for a mom of eight, but it's not like it's magic. It's training. It's the cross. We have to show up every single day. So how do we know that we're achieving dream? Because in order to achieve something so great, we have to actually become somebody you have never been before. So the purpose of achieving this dream that we don't achieve is to become. The greatest reward for achieving something we've never done before is we become greater than our current self. And so if we don't have a dream, The temptation, Joseph, is that we'll become the same person year after year. Because why? What's the fuel for us to pursue something greater than ourselves that makes us fall on our knees, that humbles us, that makes us fail forward, but inspires us to get back up? So how do you, you know, for anybody that's listening, there has to be distinction. You have to see that dreams are, 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 I mean, I'm sorry, that goals are practical. You know how to achieve it. It's metric driven, but dreams come from your gut. And you have to know that, you know, in the women's school, we have three different types of dreams. There's possible, stretch, and impossible. This impossible dream that we teach about. And you have to, the distinction, you have to look at it and say, okay, it's a journey to actually discover the dream, right? Because you might have a dream and you're like, I'm actually genuine. If I'm seeing it, this is actually a goal. Now that we have the elements that distinguish it, you know what? This is actually a stretch dream, which means we, we, ha- we know how to achieve it. It's just going to hurt. But the impossible, you have no idea how to achieve it. And the only way to achieve it is to actually step into faith. So whatever your listener is saying, you know, if you dig deep in your heart, what's the one thing that's pulsating right now? Let's say, if I could, I would, it would change everything in my life, but I don't want to go there January because I'm so afraid. And that's why scripture says, be not afraid. Why? Because it will crucify us to walk into the dream that God has placed in our heart. And I truly believe that God doesn't put a dream in our heart, he does not intend to pursue. He must purify us. I will tell you, I mean, the purification process of, you know, giving birth to a dream is harder than eight kids. I will tell you. I'm like, my hardest labor is the dream of God's keep putting in my heart every season of my life. Why? Because it's my cross. But it's not this, oh, look at this cross. No, it's the cross of the quiet life of discipline. 
It's a cross of getting up. It's a cross of being criticized. It's a cross of feeling like this is what I want to do, but I don't know how to do it. I don't want to do it. I mean, it's this, the quiet. But the alternative is to be the same woman. The alternative is to not give a chance for God to say, I created you for this particular, you know, season in your life to be this particular man and woman, father and mother pursuing this particular dream. Maybe it's writing a book. Maybe it's starting an orphanage. I don't know. Because we're so untrained, which is why I don't think it's our fault. What is our fault is that we're not open. What I think is our fault is not, you know, not having um, sort of this open heart to say, well, what can I learn more? I get that. I truly believe God is in the business of expansion. Yes. Right? And to stretch us, he needs to test us. And when you hear, oh, God's testing me, whatever, we have a negative connotation with it often. We're mm-hmm. like, why is God punishing me? I'm a good person. Why is God punishing my mother-in-law with cancer and stuff? He's not punishing. He's stretching. Yeah. You need the pain. You need the, the friction in order to grow. He wants each of his children to become more. And that more is who he designed you to be. To be whole and complete, as January is saying, I've gone through my stretching. It hurt. I went through the crucifixion. I didn't yeah. die. I'm still here. I'm talking, but I died to self. What gets yeah, crucified? I don't think it ends. I don't think yeah. it ends, Joseph. I think, it's, I think it's the crucifixion of ego and pride. That's what's dying on the cross next to Jesus. Mm, yeah, It's, it's our own desires that go against God's. And it's so hard to let go of. Yeah, it could be the desire of the flesh to sleep in. <laughs> it could oh, be the absolutely. Fire. Oh, you got no, that one too? <laughs> no, I am actually, a, I, I have, you know, since college, I actually, Conquered. it's no longer a virtue for me to get up, put it that way. It was once a virtue. Yeah. I actually love getting up with my husband. And I get up in the morning together and we pray together and, and study together every morning. But that's not no longer virtue because we've trained ourselves to do it. There's no merit in it anymore. It's just not habitual. But, um, you know, I, 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 I was just in my morning prayer this morning. I'm, I'm doing the consecration. And he said, you know, our life is supposed to be a mirror of the crucifixion and the re- resurrection on a daily basis. And that's what I find my life as a mother, my life as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a, you know, wife is that I find that there's this quiet, ordinary moments of death that I find the moments of resurrection with our Lord. And it's, you know, it's not the sort of one big thing, you know, it's the, it's, it's when do I exercise today? right? Not to just be fit, but so that I have optimal energy to serve my children. I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old and a 15-year-old. I mean, I've got to show up for them and not, and not, what good is it for me to build a multi-million dollar business and lose parts of myself along the way, which is my children. That is not what God is asking of me. That for the training that I have to, you know, constantly train myself up, which I fail all day long, is that what am I eating? Do I have the energy? You know, what am I exercising? How am I, you know, building my team? How am I managing my routine? I mean, there's ample of death throughout the day that crucifies us to endure and to offer to our Lord in the quiet moments of our day as a mother, as a wife, as an entrepreneur. I mean, I just love being a Catholic and I just love the opportunity to feel like the buck doesn't stop at me because at the end of the day, grace is what carries us through and that we have to show up, you know? And and I think what I am seeing in my work is that the hardest part of my job, Joseph, is to actually invite people to grow. Because 
Well, yeah, perhaps, but I think it's a, it's a skill. That's the first thing. I don't think we know how to grow. I don't think we teach, you know, in my home, we do mindset training and, you know, we teach our children the difference between fixed and growth mindset. But I, I just think it's a skill set that we're, we as faithful almost don't have language for. That's number one. But number two, we're, we're comfortable. We're comfortable in our faith. You know, life is good. Let me just have, make sure my family's good. My children's good. But we're not pursuing something big, bigger than us. And um, I think that it inhibits us from collaborating and expanding the way we should. Uh, and um, I just think that there should be a level of urgency that we as men and women have to be able to fight evil in the world. And it requires yeah. us to, to, to train up to do that all day long, you know? So if you'd be willing to, I'd like you to imagine my listener right now, wherever they are in the world, mm -hmm. as a client, a new client coming to you for the, the very first time, who has no skill set in any of these areas, fear streaming. They just have the worldly skill sets and it's served them well at certain times in life and other times it hasn't. Walk us through the steps, mm -hmm. teach them live on the show if you're willing. Yeah. Um, how to fiercely dream. Let's take that one on because I think that's you've clearly identified the problem. We're not dreaming big enough because we don't have the skill set. Mm -hmm. So, what are the steps to? practice that skill set daily until yes. we get good at it so number one i think it's daily for life because there's always a training necessary so i just want to put that out there. i don't think we never arrive that's yeah. the main thing so i actually walk women and women and i train them on this on a little literally a journey where i go over a slide with them a three-part process how to discover the dream of the season so i'm going to just give it to you really quickly here is that um the first thing we need to do is to actually um, brain dump on the deep desires of our heart based on every part of the arena. Why is that important? So what I teach women is that there's, you know, we, we talk about our wealth, maybe we talk about our health, maybe we talk about our family, but the problem is that we don't talk about it in a very integrated way. You know, we don't say, well, if you want to make this much money or you want to be, you know, healthy like this, how does that impact your children, your friendship, your environment, your family life? So the first thing we do is actually integrate the human person. So I have this wheel, right, where I walk them through the self-image, which is the opinion that they hold them themselves um, that, you know, could have limiting beliefs, their health, which we integrate in the woman's school, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual, because our thought impacts our emotion, emotion impacts our physiology and our spiritual receptivity. So we purposely actually integrate it because I was training women before who, you know, I couldn't get them to pray simply because they know how to manage their mind or their emotion. So, um, so I walk them through their health, friendship, intimacy, contribution, environment, and family. And I go around the wheel and I say, what do you not want to put up with in this particular arena? And what do you really want? And this process is simply actually giving language and giving ourselves permission for the things we don't want to put up with anymore and what we want, but seeing it as a whole person. That's step one. Because when we kind of get to see our life in a flash and say, oh, you know, I never thought about gender. I never thought I don't want to put up with a chaotic house. I never thought that I never want to put up with the fact that I always feel like I need to prove myself to my husband and he's not really into me. We have to give language to the pain 
And then we have to actually pay attention to the desires of our heart, not judge it. It could be that, you know, you want a Ferrari or whatever. It's okay. That's, it could, we, we have to look at it. You know, we have to pay attention to that because it tells us, it reveals us. St. Thomas Aquinas says, you know, the desires of our heart reveal us, reveal to us what we are. And so that's the first step is to look at every part of your life, what you want and don't want. The second step is now I pivot into, let's identify the three different dreams, possible, stretch, and impossible. So we took, I took them through a funnel of looking at their life, every part of life. Now the second part, step two, is now let's just play with our imagination and just what, you know, want. And then I say, okay, how do you feel? You're seeing the different types of dreams. And I give them, you know, the elements of a dream ones, you know, you need to, you don't know how, when I tell them, you don't know how that's when they lit, put a, lin, lin, lit, a litany, a litany of lists of their impossible dream. When I tell them it requires faith, when it, when I tell them that it scares and excites you, that triggers them the distinction. And so they actually are able to give themselves permission to say, I've always wanted to write a book. I've always actually wanted to be on stage. I just don't know how great we're in business. And then step three, I say, let's just pick one thing in that impossible dream and let's just play with it. And, but this time it's a very vulnerable process. There's a PDF that goes through this because at this time you've taken the walls down because you've unearthed the distinction. You've seen the different parts of their life and so pick one dream. There's no wrong or right answer. And step three, I walk them through a process of imagination and say, let's just go there and see what will, how would that dream impact your life, your marriage, your family? What does it feel like? I walk them through a process of imagination, which is a very important skill set that we don't talk about. We need to use our imagination for the good, to unearth God's call in our life, not for the bad. But the reason why it always goes to the bad, because we don't want to fill up with what's good. And what's good is our dreams that fuel contribution. So I walk them through the journey of actually letting them taste the dream. Okay. And then step four. They're in that process now. They're like, oh, January. And sometimes it takes an hour. Sometimes it takes a few sessions. You know, I, I teach women how to do this. You know, I we built a coaching school simply because the men and women were like, January, how do we build a business around this? Um, so this is just one of the many things that we teach. But um, and then I say we have this one page PDF we call it 145 DJ, one dream, four goals, five action step. Let's just play. And let's break it down. I, so I let them see this PDF and say, this is a dream. If you were to hypothetically break this down into four goals, what would that look like? And then I say, let's just put action to it. I've done this a thousand times over. And people are like, oh my gosh, I never thought I could. I can see it now. But okay, let's just say, you know, I don't know, you want to move into this different town that you've always wanted to. If you were to, what would that look like? Save 200,000. And if you're going to save 200,000, what could possibly look? What would be the action steps? You know, I could maybe have a side hustle. I mean, you would be amazed by what they come up with. So I walk them through a four-step concrete, very practical PDF process, walk them through a slide. And by the end of that, and it could be one hour, could be four sessions because sometimes people have had their desires so dormant that they they don't even know what to say they don't even know where to go there and that's okay our lord is tender our lord knows what we've been through our lord knows what nobody's teaching us but we cannot let them stay there because somewhere in that process in that journey becomes clear what the call of the season is 
So when we do not discover the deepest desires of our heart, we also miss who God calls us to be in this moment in time. And that leads us to a lot of resentfulness, comparison, competition, restlessness, and anger. Anger is a big one. Yeah. So that's the quick overview process, but it's a journey. BC Nation, was that helpful to you? Did you take vigorous notes? Do you need to press rewind and (laughs) replay this again? Feel free to do so. January, thank you for sharing that with you. I know that's part of your uh, coaching process and system. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, It makes a lot of sense. My immediate reaction, Mm -hmm. if I may. Sure. To that is that it occurs as a very cognitive process of me going in and answering these questions for myself without listening to God. Mm -hmm. Just an immediate reaction, not saying it's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Is that what what we're doing at this stage? Mm -hmm. And just trusting that God, we're listening to the desires he already put in our heart and just uh, you know, on surfacing them or bringing them to the surface. Is that, is that what we're doing? Are we actively including God in the question and answer process as we're going through those three steps? I think we're unearthing actually what God has placed in our heart because that's how we mature it. Cause not all desires are good. And then we can actually decipher for ourselves, which one is of our Lord and which one isn't. But the process, unless we actually walk through a cognitive process of deep awareness, how do we know, right? But I don't necessarily feel like that is apart from our Lord. If you're a man and woman of faith, you do everything with our Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I mean, there should every breath should be an intimate conversation with our Lord. So if there is out there, and, and our, we're in a faith journey, not everybody's in, you know, everybody's in a different journey. But what I will say, if you're a man and woman of faith, God is God can be in every process. God can be in every, and he wants to be. So after that process, you go back and you sit in prayer. But you know what? The journey to achieve that, you better believe it is a journey of faith. And if you let him in, you're going to see his glory over and over again. Reveal himself to you. Because if you've never achieved it and you don't know how to do it it requires faith and a lot of humility to say lord is this it lord who do i need to become to do what you are asking of me talk about saint day joseph that is the daily cross that we go before our lord and say today we do it together Today, I train myself up in crucifixion to become who you want me today, today. In my ordinary moments, give me the grace to make it extraordinary. So I'm one step closer to becoming the woman you have created me to be. And all that happens in the quiet moments of our heart. It's intimacy. BC Nation is your brain just like spinning right now? Is your heart burning with maybe dormant desires that you've given up on long, long ago? And maybe, just maybe God, the Holy Spirit, is bringing them to the surface just a little bit for you to see they're still there. Mm. What is it? What is that 
desire in your heart or desires in your heart that God wants you to bring to the surface mm -hmm. and then surrender over to him so he can manifest them in your life, bring them to being. And yes, it will take your participation mm -hmm. and it will take your discipline and it will be hard. But wow, it will be fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always thought that desires were bad. It was my automatic knee-jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to Subinville and they always thought desires were bad. Anything, you know, like vanity, everything, every, everything was bad. And I remember the scripture I held close to my heart as a freshman in college was, you know, Psalm 37, four was trust in the Lord. And he'll give your heart's desire. And I carried that with me without fully understanding the depths of what God was doing, Joseph. And it wasn't, you know, until I, I'm beginning to unearth the love of our father that he deeply desires to give us the deepest desires of our heart, like a loving father would. You know, I look at my, my husband. He gives the world to my children. You give the world. Why? You know, and I think that's the tenderness of the father, that, that desire of it, that he has placed in our heart. We need to mature it, but he does long to give it to us. You know, my, sometimes my, my daughter doesn't really need another pair of shoes. She really doesn't. But I do want to give it to her. You know? Why? Because it actually, to see her. And I just think sometimes that's what we need to see, the Heavenly Father. You know, it's like, okay, Lord, this is what I want. Just want a house by the beach. Okay, just revealing my desires now. <laughs> Tampa, Florida. Get Wait. out there, Lord. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting in my own life with my beautiful bride, Fallon, and um, she's so modest and, and humble, and uh, God's taken her through her own journey right now of uh, his fatherly care mm -hmm. for all her little needs and the details of her life and how much she actually disbelieves he cares about all those little nuances, like many women. Um and uh, it's so interesting because he'll show up a few times. She slipped in prayer, so to speak, where she let a desire out. Like we're playing, she's very competitive. Uh, and, and we're playing a game with family members at a holiday, you know, dinner. And it's like a quarter game and stuff. And there's a, a pot and it's $220. Someone could win it. And she goes, Lord, I know I don't need this money, but if you were willing, I would love to win. <laughs> And wouldn't you know it, like literally everybody runs out of quarters around her and she's the last one going head to head. And then she wins the 220 pot. And then she tells me about the secret prayer. She whispered to God at the table while nobody was looking and how God just showed up and did it. And there's so many occurrences like this to the point where God just answers her simple little desires that she thinks are selfish sometimes. And, and he's starting to show her that he takes pleasure in watching her take pleasure oh. the same way I take pleasure in watching my little daughter light up like a Christmas tree mm -hmm. when I give her something that's good for her. And she just like jumps up and down like, Oh, daddy, this is amazing. And I'm just like, Oh man, you just Melt. melted every part of me. Like, yeah. wow, I want to do that again. Mm -hmm. Well, where does that fatherly desire come from? It comes from God. Yeah. I didn't create that. Yeah. So there's like those hints in our own parenting when we're parenting well of God and how he parents us. So yeah. I just bring that up because, you know, 
my life and, and the struggles and just really believing that God, as big as he is, could love her as much as he does, as small as she is. Like, that, uh, it, really it, was, it really does. It really does. Yeah. yeah. It's to ponder for life, you know, that, that our Lord could love us so intimately in the details. I mean, it's a beautiful story. First of all, thank you for sharing. And, you know, you, she has one in on you. <laughs> I mean, because she's probably secret playing all the time. But the point is that it's it's so beautiful to just see the tenderness of our Lord that I often does not get advertised or gets falsely advertised. Well, so I do think we do. We I don't think we're doing a good job advertising that part of our Lord. No, we package God in like terrible wrappings. Yes. And even, and in the woman's school, I, you know, we talk about obviously the now expanded the man's school, but, you know, I think we were designed to have a beautiful life. I do believe, you know, beauty is a mark of our Lord and beauty. We have to redefine that, right? Because the way beauty right now, if you say a beautiful woman, you see one image, skinny, whatever the, you know, the model, but let's redefine what a beautiful person is. Because if you think about what a beautiful person is, a beautiful architecture, a beautiful sunset is that. The encounter inspires you. It leaves an indelible mark in your heart that you're never the same again. So I believe that our call for sanctity and holiness is to live a beautiful life, that every part of life becomes an overflow that inspires the world to look who our Lord is. So how do we do that? Well, behind a beautiful life is a man and woman hard at work on our interior life on our interior discipline. But I also think that if we don't, we are falsely advertising our Lord, right? Our domestic church needs to be a place of order, of joy. It needs to be beautiful. Not beautiful, it's luxury. No, beauty in a sense that when you come in, there's something, there's an experience. Beauty is an experience. You actually, who was it? I can't remember who said They actually couldn't even define beauty because it's an experience, Right? In an experience that changes you. So I always say, I said, how do we design a beautiful life? We have to train up for it. But that is how we tell the world of our Lord, a beautiful conversation, you know, a beautiful home, a beautiful marriage. We can tell everybody that marriage is a great thing, but if nobody's living a beautiful marriage, why in the world would they want to be married? It's the same thing with motherhood. I do not believe that motherhood is a place for messy and chaos. Agreed. God is not a God of order and messy. And I think we have falsely advertised motherhood to a point that people don't want to be mothers. I want them to see the redemption of motherhood, the honor and the glory of our Lord through the fact that I'm a mother. We cannot make excuses for ourselves, for our own sanctity in our homes. That is my first place to advertise is my children, my husband first. I've got to show up for my husband. And know that how I look, how I talk, how I dress, and everything upon me has every part, uh, you know, has a capacity to lead him to his sanctity. And to think otherwise is minimizing my own vocation. And it's the same thing with my children. Everyone else is selling them to sell their life short. Everybody is selling everything else but God. So we have to make God so palpable, not just, you know, sort of, you know, just this one dimensional where, okay, this is prayer and this is God. No, it's God is in everything. And if we're not selling them that our Lord is in everything beautiful, true, and good, everyone else is selling them everything off. I have an obligation to design a home that's beautiful, not because of the luxury. We have to be detached from it so that they may 
experience our Lord in the tiny little nooks of our domestic church, in the conversations, in the hard conversation. We have an obligation to redeem motherhood, Joseph. Mm. It's not a walk in the park. It's a crucifixion. No, mm. no, it's not. And listen, you what you just said, I think many of our hearts are drawn to that because it's beautifully true. And But it goes against everything right now in the media talking about women, motherhood, husbands, right? Children, parenting, all of that. It's like, no, you as the woman are meant to be served by your husband. You give a little, right? But mostly to get him to move, to do something, to give something. And you put your kids ahead of him, definitely. And then you put your career above your kids. And where's God? Oh, he's somewhere on the peripheral, if he's even there. He's like, this is, on Sunday for one hour. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it's this distorted, dysfunctional way of showing up as a mother in the calling and vocation over your life. Yeah. As a and wife as well. I as, don't as a wife as well. Absolutely. I get the privilege of, you know, speaking to men and getting them in the proper order that God ordained as a husband first and then a father second. And business is number five on the list, your finances and your business. And when we get that proper hierarchy and alignment with God, the way he ordained it, guess what happens, brother? Your, your life starts to work in all areas because you're showing up whole and complete. There's in free. each of those yeah. to your to your point right so i'm i really love that you're bringing this up with the ladies can i push this a little bit i'm gonna no definitely not no, no, let's here. not go deeper man <laughs> like let's go back to the surface catch some air of course okay go. so um i remember the homily that sh- one of the homilies many homilies it's changed my life when i was a sophomore is a is i believe father dave in superville and it says the problem with darkness is not darkness it's lack of light So here's my thought on that. The reason why people do not believe that it's possible to have a beautiful marriage, a beautiful family, and, you know, build a business, create impact in the world is because it hasn't been modeled. This is exactly why we have a duty to design a beautiful life to replace. And, you know, Buck, Mr. Fuller said, you know, you can't replace it. You have to actually rebuild a whole new model. And so when I see how it's falsely advertised, when I see women, it's like, oh, you've got to give a little, it's because they haven't seen what it's like to be fully alive in a relationship where you give wholeheartedly and be so admired, be so revered and go hundred percent. It, they, it's, it's like when you haven't seen, if you, if you've been told, you know, that the world was round, but all you knew was the world was flat, you won't believe it. You won't jump. Right. But that's what it is. So that's why when I say this, Joseph, I'm saying, That's us taking responsibility to create a beautiful and meaningful life. That's taking us responsibility to build wealth, to defund evil. That's us putting ourselves in the forefront at the cost of crucifixion of criticism to say it's possible to design a beautiful marriage, to design a beautiful, you know, life of motherhood and being a father because what's being falsely advertised is what now the youth is seeing as the only option. We are responsible to replacing the model that's been put off in our culture. That's a big burden. I agree. 
That's a big dream. Almost sounds impossible, but that's a requirement. <laughs> so talk to us about what is the, uh, why is it so needed right now to have authentic Christian mothers in the marketplace living godly and beautiful lives? What will that do for our world? How will that shift the darkness into the light? I think mothers carry and nurture life. You can't give life you don't have. Um, it's not just about popping a baby. It's about giving life to a child long after you give birth to a child. So when a mother trains herself up to actually be a woman who is actually capable of receiving life, from our Lord, training herself, she's then capable of nurturing life around her. So when they see that a woman has life, as a mother, as a wife, as a teacher, as a doctor, as everything in between, that changes the model of life in our world. And when I say that is that people are not living, you know, God's glory is man fully alive, says St. Irenaeus. Tell me, Joseph, are people walking dead? Yes. Empty shells. Yeah. A life Hollow men without chest, right? Right. But that's why, you know, I, and I don't, you know, for me, obviously I speak for women. I think we have that responsibility to nurture the hearts of men and women and children. I think that our Lord has, has given us the privilege of our womb to not just give life physically, but to breathe life, right? That's what it means to inspire, to breathe life. And so I think that that's why as women, we need to train ourselves to actually endure our call. And that's to breathe life to the world. That's the gift of a woman. All right, BC Nation, you're being called right now. You are. It's a tender call. It's a quiet whisper from God. If you're a woman, you're a mother, you're a business owner, you're a wife, and sometimes you feel overwhelmed showing up more in each of those areas. January is challenging you right now, saying not only are you being called to do it, but you must do it for your own personal fulfillment. And sure, it's going to hurt a little. It's going to sting a little. But shoot, you've given birth to a baby for nine months. You got this. You got this. It's all about not telling the world how it needs to change, but showing the world how you chose to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really is. And, and it's a cross daily. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus says, daily. But I don't want to do it daily. Can we do it monthly? Maybe, <laughs> you know, quarterly, right? <laughs> like I just got over one cross. You want to give me another one, another storm? <laughs> Are you kidding me? We get it. It hurts, but it's a, it's a daily decision to depend on God for what you cannot do in your own strength. And if you're not willing to, what's the point of having a savior? If you're constantly trying to save yourself, does that make any sense? Yeah. So we're challenging you. I'm, I'm doing the challenging part. <laughs> you know, January is coming with the tender, soft, nurturing 
call and invitation, but both are needed. So what are you going to choose right now, BC Nation, as you're listening right now? Look at your life. What do you choose? Do you choose to become more than you are right now? Do you choose to dream bigger and release the desires that God put in your heart years ago? Or you choose to settle and be complacent and just show up day after day the same? Feeling unfulfilled, feeling overwhelmed, anxious, stressed. It's your choice. Take action or do nothing. Mm-hmm. How's it going? And in the woman's school, overwhelm means underskilled. That is so true. I'd be in the man's school too. I'm going to call that. <laughs> That's the human school. That's the human That's school. That's the human school. We should have called it that really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. All right, January, what have we not discussed yet that women need to hear right now, wherever mm-hmm. they are in their life? Uh, I think um, be tender with your journey. It's, you know, we haven't been trained as a culture. Um, So look upon this, not as your fault, but rather your responsibility to train up. That's what I tell women. It's not our fault, but it is a responsibility to train ourselves up, to assume our call and the different roles that we have in the different season of our life. So what I tell women is that be a student for life. You know, I think motherhood is the Olympics of our lifetime. And Ed Milet always say business is like an Olympic sport. I'm like, I mean, business is a sport. I'm like, mother, it is an Olympic sport, Ed. So what I tell women is don't allow training to take a backseat in your life because your call and who God wants you to be is right on the other side of training and becoming. And that's your crucifixion. That's your life of discipline. I would say seek help to get training. You know, because there's a lot of collateral damage when we wait to invest in our own interior freedom. I've had, you know, one of the saddest things I have to actually come in contact with is that January, because of a lack of training or because, you know, what they would have learned in six months or learning in six years, but now they're divorced. So there's collateral damage to lack of training and form. It's human formation. That's what it is. You know, if you're a Catholic here, I'm a theology major, that's human formation. So train up, seek help, and invest in your training for life. And I would say that train yourself so you can train the lives around you, primarily your children. You know, we can't blame everyone else for the life that we have. We have to take responsibility. And I would do two other things is that stay humble and pray. Keep our Lord so close in intimacy in every breath. And he will grant you the deepest desires of your heart. All right, BC Nation, are you inspired? Come on. It's okay. You can be inspired. We're in this together, though, you know, Joseph. I I just want to say that to the listeners is that it's never an arrival. You know, it's not, you know, um, be perfect because your Heavenly Father is perfect. Actually, perfect comes in the word word Telesio, which means to be whole, to be complete. And so we're constantly have to fill our cup because we're constantly giving them our cup. So I just want to tell everybody there, it's never too late because we're constantly have to fill our cup, you know? So um, we're in this together and we've got a world, you know, we've got our Lord to give us the grace to endure what we need to do in the season. No, and, you know, you say a lot of Catholics, you know, or even Christians are competing, comparing, 
And I think that's the reason why we're not ex- growing into the heights that we should. Because when we compete and compare, we're unable, we're inhibiting ourselves from collaborating. And I see that, you know, and we have to wrestle with our interior self so that we can actually expand God's glory. Because if we're seeping to comparison competition, because we, and it's just neurological wiring. It's actually, I can walk you through a very simple, we have a rewire formula process, but it inhibits our call. It inhibits our capacity to say, what can we do together? You know, look at all the people out there that are changing the world. They're masterminding together in the same stage, changing the world, sharing ideas. I always tell people, I'm like, I don't hide anything. You can take that. I, re- I create trainings. I share it. I don't hide it. It's not mine to keep. It's mine to give. give. But train ourselves so that we can actually bring forth the glory of God as it was, you know, on earth as it was in heaven. Like, I think our Lord wants us to experience, you know, that beautiful heaven on earth right the joy i'm with you (laughs) i'm with you january preaching to the choir let's go all right we've been speaking with january donovan she is the founder of the woman's school she is an awesome godly woman mother a daughter of god wife she's got eight kids people eight kids what's your excuse <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. Had to go there. All right. What do you do, January, to strengthen and deepen your faith daily? I get up early to pray. I get up early to study. Those are the two things that I do. So okay. um, it's not you know perfectly, but I really try, which is you know a constant you know just discipline. Um, I, I love it. It's just that you know I build a business and I don't want to compromise my time with my children, so sometimes I work late so that I can be fully present. By the time I'm speaking to my preteens at nine o'clock, 9.30, I'm like, right and I were masterminding last night at like nine o'clock at night to like 11 and I had to get up at five, you know? So some of these things, which I don't promote you not getting sleep, but your original question, what do I do? Um, I try to pray, but honestly, Joseph, I laugh at myself. I fail a lot. I just don't take myself as seriously. And I'm like, I just, you know, I just laugh at my own failure. And I think- just trust that our Lord is walking me through it. Yeah. You know, I laugh. We laugh, we laugh a lot in our house. I put on a lot of comedy stuff. <laughs> we hey, dance a lot. And the best we, way to learn. <laughs> we do actually. That's what I, everybody knows in my team. I'm like, I'm a really good prankster. You know, I'm re- I get really Uh-oh. serious. I love, I, um, anyways, we, we do, we, we just, we just want to joy. Like laughter is yes. beautiful. You know, we love to, in Superman, we used to salsa dance. I love, you know, I love swing dancing. Like we need to, to experience David's joy. The good part. That's, it. That's <laughs> so, it. The peace and joy of the Lord may be in your home. All right, January, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink <laughs> it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show. Okay. It's the prizes. Are you ready? Already or not, here I am. <laughs> All right. What is I haven't favorite... planned for any of this. So, okay, go ahead. Perfect. Sorry. What is your favorite thing about God? <sighs> His tenderness. What is your least favorite thing about God? Waiting. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently challenged with right now, professionally or personally? Gosh. Um, Learning to expand my team, building new skill set to grow the team really fast. Yeah, I get that. 
What are you most afraid of? Not being a saint. Boom. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Looking at the news and the political landscape. That is a cliff. Uh, what secret fear do you have about people? I don't know if I have a fear about people. Um, that they're not genuine, maybe. It's not fear. Sometimes I'm very trusting and genuine people. And Ryan always says, sometimes I need to protect you from you. <laughs> I don't know. Just being me. I don't know if it's a fear. You know, sometimes I, I, um, I don't always see things coming. I always think that, hey, everybody's in for good intention. For good. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you wish you had learned sooner about God? A dreaming that he belongs to fulfill the deepest desires of my heart. Um, yeah, I would say wealth. I would say wealth. That's actually, we didn't talk about that. But if there's one thing that I would learn sooner is that God actually, how he defines true wealth. Which is that? Abundance of time, treasure, and talent for the purpose of contribution. So it's not ours to keep, it's ours to give. So well, that just sounds God. selfless. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be. <laughs> Okay. Um, what new habit do you are you going to create this year? Um, gosh, what new habit? Well, you know, I just had a baby, so a year ago, maybe or roughly or so. So I'm really um, managing, remanaging my nutrition and exercising. Ryan and I are recommitting that as really not making it nonchalant, but making it really committed. Good. You've been great. This awesome. Past two weeks so far. So yeah, yeah. We're crushing it for <laughs> two days. No. Uh, what's a bad habit that you're going to break? The news. The news. Come on. I know. What you put in your mind. Come on, girl. I am so, I look at you the, the this. news. I know. No, but I, I honestly feel like it fuels my need to, to make a money for good, to defund evil, and I get yeah. fiery. But I do think we're responsible for the landscape. We cannot be asleep on the wheel. I feel like I was asleep on a rock for years, mm -hmm. thinking my world is beautiful and Ave Maria when the world was falling apart and all the things politically. And so for me, I never want to be in politics. It's the last thing I ever want in my, you know. But I'm like, we have got to be invested in changing the world. So that's why I do it. I agree. I agree. And then there's a healthy balance between being informed and digesting the dysfunction around you, right? right. The darkness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Oh, I would say down to earth. I'd say, um, I'd say goofy. <laughs> I'd say a student. Yeah, I get that. Pick three words to describe who you were before you gave everything to God. Anxious. Um, comparing myself all the time. Um, I would say, um, I don't know. I was always a little bit disciplined. Um, probably I didn't know my unconditional worth. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And last question. If you could come back to life after you die, January, look your family and friends in the eye, your kids and give them only one piece of advice about relationship with God, what would you say to them? 
train up. Train up so you can actually allow yourself that intimacy with our Lord because God makes himself available. We just don't know how to be, whether it's managing our mind, managing our emotion, drawing boundaries, learning how to build a routine that allows us time for prayer, time for intimacy, time for constant conversation. So if I were to go back, I'd say train up, which is really a life of discipline and crucifixion. Okay. This is an opportunity for you to give my audience a homework assignment for this week. What is one action they must take this week if they want God to move in their life and take over? I would say um, look at your dreams, the possible stretch and impossible, write them out. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you know what those three elements are. Uh, and then invest in training for you to achieve it. Okay. There you have it, BC Nation. Do you enjoy the show? Did you love this episode with January and all my other really smarter than me guests? <laughs> if you do, and you did, go write a five-star review right now. You can do that at brokencatholic.com, brokencatholic.com, or at Apple uh, Podcast or Stitcher.com. Go write that five-star review. If we like what you say, we will read it live on the show and give you a shout out like I'm about to do with uh, handle Sarah C. Tillman. Sarah C. Tillman. Thank you for your five-star review. She wrote, honest and centered on God's love, this podcast. I love how honest the show is, and it really conveys the message that we are not perfect, but God's perfect love can pull us out of any situation. Amen to you, Sarah. Thank you for your five-star review. BC Nation, go write yours right now. January Donovan, how does BC Nation get in touch with you, um, get connected to the work you're doing? Where do they go? What do you got for them? Thewomanschool.com. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, thewomanschool.com. Um, apparently, we're going to have TikTok. <laughs> I'm um you can email us if there's any questions at january at the womanschool.com and we're here to serve so january donovan thank you for being on broken catholic i wish you god's love peace and joy in your life thank you joseph i'm grateful to be here have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked have you tried therapy have you tried coaching have you tried counseling christian counseling Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. 
If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids, we lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.